filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Today, I learned about uh, the, apparently it's starting today, it's the Japanese festival of Setsuban. Um, And the thing I learned about it mostly is that this is the, it's based around the Japanese lunar calendar. Today is the first day of spring on that calendar. Um, And the main thing I learned is that one of the traditions is that you're supposed to walk around your house uh, throwing a certain kind of bean uh, on the floor, uh, and as you do this, you're supposed to yell, uh, devils out, happiness in, um, over and over again while you, you get, cover your whole house with beans. Uh, Jason, and then, yes. it's pretty important. What kind of bean is it? Uh, that I did not learn. Uh, I no, saw a photo. You, you, you <laughs> immediately failed. I, I saw a photo of bags of, of the type of bean that is preferred. Uh, and all I can tell you from looking at it, it is, it's definitely beans. Uh, but you know, it looks like many, <laughs> many beans look like this bean. So it could be any number of beans. Um, it could so, be a bean that I'm unfamiliar with. So the, I, I'm assuming these are dry beans. These are not like, yeah, soft this, was a, this was a bag of dry beans and I assume you have to prepare them because the other thing was like, after you've thrown them and done your yelling about how devils should be out and happiness should be in, um, you're supposed to eat, uh, one bean of this type of bean, one bean for each year. That you've been alive. So uh, this year I would be doing 38. Uh, be- I would eat be- eat 38 beans after yelling uh, at the devils uh, and at happiness. The concept and yelling at happiness. Because, you're, you're, yeah, you, you're, you're yelling happiness. at the concept, demanding that it it come in uh, just as much as the devils leave. I could have used that today. Uh, my my walls were vibrating loudly all day <laughs> because of construction happening in the row house next door to me. Um, it may come through in this first segment, um, some of which is is recorded, and I apologize if it does. Um, if he, if you hadn't mentioned it, no one would have ever noticed. Well, that's how we do on this show. We pull the curtain back unnecessarily, and it's true without warning sometimes. Ben's going to get in I, there with the the audacity uh, noise reduction uh, yep. tool, and all I don't of a sudden, think I even need to. I think Adam's just overselling it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I wanted to yell at those devils and yell at happiness to get in. But instead, my boilers lost to Jason Terps. So here we Just are barely. recording. Just barely. Yeah. But an offensive rebound at that three seconds to go. Ah. Anyway, <laughs> hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and Adam shaking his fist at Jason for our college basketball team's podcast. No. Uh, I'm Adam Taylor, joined by a frustrated Ben Bromley and a jubilant <laughs> Jason Anderson. We are all from blackandredunited.com where we talk about DC United. And tonight we've got a great show. We are I'm talking. We are talking to Hernan Losada, DC United head coach, newly minted. Um, we had a great conversation with him earlier today. Uh, Tuesdays we record this 
And uh, we're going to have it all for you in just a minute. Before we do that, though, Ben, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, I am pulling an Hernan Losada and drinking delicious water. Way to preview slash. I, I won't even say spoil that because everyone knew he was going to drink water. I bet that was my ex- expectation. Certainly, Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I I kind of wanted to do like a an after dinner drink, um, and I was thinking maybe like hot cocoa, uh, but then I was like, uh, that seems like it's going to be a whole thing, and I realized it was close to nine o'clock. Um, and as I was going back and forth on all that, I was like, what if I did hot cocoa and added um, some Kahlua to get like a mocha thing going on? But then it got to be too close to nine. I knew we were about to start and I was like, well, I kind of want a coffee flavor thing. So I've kind of gone away from the um, uh, warm and dessert like after dinner drink. And instead, I've got Van Gogh double espresso vodka on the rocks. And that's it. <laughs> Um, so I've got the coffee the flavor that I wanted. That um, is a, a hard left turn from hot chocolate. Yeah. Well, it would have taken a little while and I, I didn't feel like it. So instead I got this. A couple Christmases. <laughs> Jason pulls his mug up. He is still yes, drinking, I'm drinking it out, it out of, of a coffee mug. You are drinking it out of a coffee mug. So that's, yes. that's something. Um, a couple Christmases ago, my dad gave me this uh, whiskey Del Bac Dorado Mesquite smoked single malt, okay. which is a, a, a lot of words. It is. It is. It is a single malt, but they they smoke the malt before it goes in, and then they okay. age it in a barrel. So it's got this kind of mezcal quality um, because the everything is smoked before it even goes in the barrel, basically and before it's even fermented. And then there's more smoke from the barrel in this case. Um, no, no worms, no worms. Just, just smoke, just smoke, no worms, smoke worm, um, no, no smoke monsters. Uh, JJ Abrams has nothing to do with this as far as I know. What about those little, those little, like those dumb things you can get at the fireworks, uh, places where it's just like a little snake. Yeah. And you light it. It, It's like a smoke worm. That's about as close as as you're going to get to a smoke worm. It's true. None of that in here. There's no there's no taste of sulfur the way those smell when they yes. when they go off, which is which Probably is good because that would make this consume. No, that would make this very difficult and hard to drink. And it's it's good. Um I'm finally finishing it off. It's not something I drink all that often. Um just because it is very, very smoky. Yeah. Um but it, but it's good. So and, and I'm having some tonight. Um as I mentioned, Hernan Mosada joined us earlier today to to talk about DC United and his goals going forward and, and where he sees the team going. So uh, let's roll the tape where we are very pleased now to bring on brand new DC United head coach, Hernan Losada. Welcome to filibuster. <laughs> Thanks guys. Hi, how are you doing great? We have a tradition here um, and we're happy to inaugurate it. Now with you, we have to ask our guests, what are you drinking? I'm drinking just uh, some water. That, I think that that is basically unanimous. Anyone from the team we've ever had on the show has been drinking good old-fashioned water. So you 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 join a very <laughs> strong tradition there. Uh, off the top, I wanted to ask you, uh, how have these first two weeks on the job been? It's 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 great. I mean, I'm I'm still in Belgium. I would love to be there with all of you guys in 
in Washington, but still waiting for, for my visa. And in the meantime, uh, some meetings uh, with players, um, organizing the preseason, friendly games, uh, trying to update uh, as much as I can from the distance. Um, in the meanwhile, watching watching many games of last season, not only from DC, but also from other ones. So uh, trying to catch up all the time I have here to organize myself. So the moment I arrive to DC, I'm I'm a little bit prepared. Uh, Ernan, I know um, you've had some time to have meetings with players and everything. Um, I'm curious, you know, I read that you had at one point played uh, alongside Frederick Briant. Uh, I read it on Wikipedia, so I don't know if that's 100% um, uh, correct or not. But um, I was wondering if in speaking with him or other folks that you know that have, have MLS experience, um, what were some points of emphasis that they felt were important to convey about coming to this league? Well, first of all, all the rules that you guys have uh, con concerning transfer policy, mm. uh, it's really like a big puzzle to to organize your team in terms of uh, uh, budget and salary cap. Uh, then, of course, a special competition system uh, with playoffs where it's one game all or nothing, uh, home or away. And, and then the trips uh, every time you play away uh, most of the time so don't say every time you step into into a plane and you have those distances uh, that here in Belgium and most of all here in Europe uh, you don't have so from that point of view will be a few points to to adapt but I'm sure that with the help of the club the staff and, and of course all the players uh, I will get used to it uh, very soon and very quick So, Ernan, how do you, uh, how does it look to uh, start building towards a new season with a new team when not even just you can't be there with the players, but often the players can't be there with other players. Uh, everybody is currently uh, separated. What, what, how is that looking and how are you uh, building not only the team tactically, but the team, uh, the team unity? Well, now with all this technology, you can connect with, with the board, with the coaches and staff to start building up things from distance. But of course, it's, it's a new project. It's a new process, um, new chapter in, in DC United history. Um, and we want to do better than, than last season. We want to, to, to find an identity, an identity that where, where supporters... Uh, and fans, fan base uh, feel connected. And, and we want to basically play every game to win. I think that, that has to be our challenge, uh, to, to get to know each other as quick as possible, that the players understand my way of play and my philosophy, and that we try to, to start every single game home or away with the intention to win. Uh, I was hoping to ask you about your impressions early on of some of the players on the team and DC fans like everyone around the world uh, tend to be very proud of our homegrown players. Um, we've got four really young ones on the team and I, I've heard you mention them, but I wanted to ask you to go into a little bit more depth on your impressions of Moses Nyman, Griffin Yao, Kevin Paredes and Jacob Green. 
Yeah, all four, you mentioned uh, great talent, a lot of future, um, a lot of uh, progression uh, to book. And I'm very proud to be the coach of such a, such a young talent. So they did very well all the minutes they, they played last season. And, uh, and I think that's, that could be one of my tasks, one of my, my jobs to, to make them better. Uh, not only as a player, also also as persons, and to help them to improve uh, as quick as possible. Um, I count on them. I already talk with, with them. I know what's their ambition, and I hope that uh, I can make them better through this process. And I can give them most of all uh, as much minutes as I can. Of course, they're gonna have to serve them. But I'm I'm a coach who works very works a lot and and likes to work a lot with with young guys and young talents. I know I'm very happy to hear that. I <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm a big fan of the youngsters and love to hear uh hear hear you planning to give them some more time. Yeah yeah definitely I you know no one gets minutes for free uh, they sure. need to deserve it. and that start the start on training for me training is very important. Are uh, the moments where the, the coach takes uh, their decisions, their conclusions, and you need to basically train the same way you play. When you you can't bring the same intensity on training like like in the game, then you are missing something. When you train on on fifty percent, then it's impossible to play on one hundred percent. So, trainings will be very important for me, especially during preseason, and those will be the moments for players to. To show up and to fight for that spot in on the in the first eleven. Uh, Ernan, I know this is kind of a difficult question to ask when you haven't had any training sessions with the group, um, but I know you've been watching uh, games from the past couple of seasons, like you said. Um, and last year, the team brought Edison Flores in, uh, Julian Gressel in. They spent uh, a pretty good deal of money to do it, and th- I, mean, I think it's fair to say that things didn't turn out as well not just for the whole team, but them individually. It wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't what the team wanted. Um, from what you've seen, what you've heard uh, about them, um, what are your initial thoughts on getting more out of those two in particular? I think it was a really a typical season with COVID, with that break, and then out of nothing playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, there were a lot of injuries. Players were uh, not used to play in that rhythm of, of games, and and that plays a, an important role. But uh, we can agree that players like Flores, like um, like uh, you mentioned, who else did you mention? Uh, uh, yeah, Julian, Julian, but also Kamara and and Assad and and so many players who are. You guys expected maybe a little bit more and perform the way we were expecting. And that's that's definitely my job, no? To, to make, uh, starting from the solid collective, because I think that makes things easier when you have a team and a, and a collective who knows what to do in every situation of the game. Then you start to perform also individually. So first we will try to build up the team. And I'm sure that having a team and knowing each other and knowing what to do, uh, they will start to to raise their individual level. Um, I think it starts with being physically top, 
top. We need you need to fly. You need to to feel yourself good uh, to perform, and then to build up an identity where everyone knows exactly what we're gonna do. Uh, when we are arrive to the final third, to know what's gonna happen. When we lose the ball, to know what's gonna happen. Uh, and due to COVID, due to all those breaks and rules, maybe it was not easy for Ben Ben Olsen to work uh, last season. And I hope I have that time and and in those weeks to 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 find that automatics in the team. So speaking of some uh, team leaders, one of the main leaders of the team, Paul Ariola, uh, has just been uh, sent on loan to the uh, to the championship for uh, the rest of the championship season. Uh, how does losing a leader for half a season, how do you work around that? And uh, is, is Paul still going to contribute, uh, uh, like, advice to you, uh, inside information? Uh, how's the beginning of your relationship been? I've been talking a lot with Paul uh, the last couple of weeks concerning his uh, transfer situation. Finally, uh, he found an agreement to Swansea. I think that's that's a huge step for him, and I wish him all the best. But it's going to be hard for us to replace Paul. Um, I hope we can replace him with with uh, other players, uh, new transfers. But in case that doesn't happen, then other players will have to step out and and and, uh, and fulfill that uh, that leader leadership role. But I think that with Canus, with Felipe, with Steven, um, we have that type of, of leaders with Frey. Uh, and it's up to them to stand up and to, to, to be a positive leader, not only in good moments, also in bad moments. And after all the chats I, I've been having with the players, I think we have very good and strong qualities um, to have a few good positive leaders in the team. To especially help uh, those young guys that we have that we have in our roster. You mentioned uh, the potential to bring in some transfers. Um, I, I don't expect you to make news on on our podcast, but um, do you have your eye on any particular positions, or, or are there um, irons in the fire right now? I know the the window just closed in a lot of the big European leagues, so they might be less willing to send someone out. Um, what what's the situation in in house right now? Yeah, the ideal situation would be to to bring um, a player who is better than what we already have. Uh, that's for sure. Has to be better. Has to make us better in every line. So one forward, one player, one defensive player. That would be the ideal situation. If we can bring three uh, players uh, each, uh, one player each line. Uh, it would help us a lot, especially knowing that now Paul uh, leaves us until May, June. Um, we know we have some injuries. Uh, Steven, uh, Bill, uh, um, Felipe, they won't be able to train with us from the start of the season. So we start with a limited group of 18 players uh, plus goalkeepers. So we, we need to have uh, a few extra transfers. Um, when it's going to happen, I really don't know. Uh, Dave and the board know exactly what we're looking for, and now, now it's up to us to find it. To be creative, we are not 
mm, gonna spend huge amounts of money, but uh, would help us a lot if if we have one player per line. Ernan, I've I've been struck by um, when you've been talking about the uh, approach that you want the team to have. Um, the the idea of uh, trying to win home and away, trying to score goals frequently, um, and contrasting that with um, something that we had happen in MLS this past year where a lot of neutral fans kind of fell in love with the idea of watching the San Jose Earthquakes with Matias Almeida. Um, and my read on that, at least, is just the theory that um, those teams do not seem to be afraid to concede. They don't want to concede, but if they do, um, they're still willing to take those risks to go get more goals. Um, if they end up in a 5-4, then that's just the way it is. They That's a very big contrast. A lot of times in MLS, it seems like teams want to, you know, they get to 2-1 and they say, okay, let's make sure that nothing else happens uh, for the last 45 minutes of the game. Um, and so I'm curious, um, the mental side of that, the getting the squad to embrace that, uh, you know, taking that level of risk. Um, how do you uh, sort of get your players on board with that? How did that work um, in Belgium? And how do you plan to do that here with DC? Well, in Belgium, uh, during my, my season in first division, we have a couple of, uh, more than a couple of crazy mm-hmm. results. 6-3, 5-5, 4-2, 5-2, and, and and we we almost never tie. Uh, we 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 almost have no draws, uh, and that's a little bit because of me. I think <laughs> my games that we were, uh, yeah, with one point uh, or or leading for one goal, we kept on going for for that second goal or that third goal or even in in, in tie situations, we went full for the victory because. I, I believe that um, on the lo- on the long term, when you play to win, yeah, three draws are the same that one victory. So uh, when you go out and you play always for for the winning, I believe at the end you will have more points than playing to don't lose or to play for only one point. Of course, you need to keep a balance team. Uh, that's that's crucial. And the more solid defensively you are, more chances to win because you you can keep the zero, but but uh, it's also important to have scoring chances. Uh, my theory is that the more chances you can create, the more chances to win. Uh, and then as long as you score one more goal than the position, it's 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 good good enough for me. And we we don't need to forget that football. Uh, sorry, in soccer, um, soccer. Uh, it's an, a sport to ent- entertain. Uh, supporters and to entertain uh, our fan base. Uh, when you're gonna play for for keeping the zero and you're gonna start every game thinking more in not conceding than in scoring goals, yeah, fan base and, and every every fan, every neutral fan, we start to watch other other games or other teams. It's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna happen from one day to other. It's gonna be kind of a process. I need to convince the players that that's the best way. Uh, and we're gonna need those two, three key players per line, but still, it's in something I believe in, and I got all the results here during my relative short career as a coach, uh, doing it that way. So uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it my way. 
Well, I'm certainly looking forward to uh, to seeing it. When you do put it into practice on the field, I know you have your ideas that you want to implement. There's been a lot of speculation among the fans about what the the team shape will be. You you famously used a three back when you started at Bearscope, and then I know last year you worked in some more four man back line. Um, do you have a preference on formations, or is it more you you take the team as it comes and look at the opponent and try to find the best way to to get your ideas onto the field? Hmm. No, I don't look to the opponent. I, I look to my own players and the own profile of 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 of, of players that I have, and I don't have any preference. Uh, if I come to a team like now, this United and this United have. At this moment, for for example, uh, Fred Briand and and Donovan Pine as central defender. Steven is injury. I don't have another central defender. Yeah, then we need to play with back four. That's that simple. Uh, so I need to adapt myself to to the sources and the players I have at the moment. And um, it doesn't matter in which system or formation you play. Important is that you always try to to. Uh, to play with the same principles. The principles stay the same and the formation may change. Uh, and if it's back three or back four, we will see. My ideal situation would be to train both, uh, both systems to also try to surprise um, during some game situations. But I hope we adapt as less as possible to the opponent and we build our own identity and our own way of play. Uh- I'm I'm a little curious. I know this is kind of a more of a long range question, um, but the team recently started uh, started up Loudoun United playing in the USL Championship, and part of the stated goal there was to prepare uh, younger players, academy players, maybe some prospects who aren't quite MLS ready uh, for playing the first team style, so that if you sign a player from there, or if a player's been playing there for a while and then has to come up to the first team, um, that there's no real adjustment period. Um, And that was also the stated goal for the academy. Um, So I'm curious if you've had, if this is maybe a little too far down the road, but have you had time to um, start to consider your approach as far as how how far down the ladder it goes with the rest of the club's uh, infrastructure? Uh, that's a very good question, uh, and that's something that for me it's it's very important and interesting to to know. I've been talking with the young guys, asking them uh, the way of working in the academy, the way of working in in London uh, United, um, and it would be interesting in in the, in the long term that we all have the same principles and that we all try to play and train on the same way. So the moment the young young guys are coming up to the first team. Yeah, they don't need to adapt because they have been doing the same things we were trying to practice uh, and working during the first team. So um, that's that's a good one, and it's something that in the in the big clubs in Europe, like in Ajax, uh, they have like a school uh, full of principles that they try to respect since they are young. And the moment they they come up on the first team, it's like they they know absolutely everything, and and that adaptation moment is. Uh, it's already done. so it would be beautiful to 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 build up that process and and principles and style of play uh, with the academy and with uh, Luton United. So turning off the field, what are you looking forward to doing here in DC on say your first day off? 
<laughs> I don't know. Uh, most of the time, I use my my time off to to watch games and to analyze opponents and to think about how we're gonna plan next week. Uh, because being involved in in soccer, that's that's what I love. That's my passion. Uh, it doesn't count as a job for me. Uh, I'm I'm it's it's really. I'm a lucky guy that I can work and earn money doing what I love the most. So on on free days I do what I like the most, and that's also watching soccer games and and some things related to soccer. But I I love I love cities. So I'm really planning to know Washington DC city center and and visiting all museums and and all uh, historical places when I have. Uh, maybe more than one free day. Maybe maybe go and make a trip in New York. I never been there, so of course I have a few list uh, of places that I would love to visit. But uh, I guess uh, I'm not gonna have so much time to do that. Uh, I I am curious. Um, just on a staying off the field for a second. Um, the timeline when trying to talk about you know, your career coming into being hired here, uh, looking at the timeline of when you went from being a player to an assistant to a head coach was very, very compressed. And it's not that long ago that you were just stepping into the job for the first time. Um, I'm curious, this this moment here, that there wasn't even that much of a gap between seasons, uh, it seemed like, uh, because of COVID and everything, things have been uh, basically nonstop. Um, and so I'm wondering for you, this, this little moment right now where you have kind of a moment to breathe a little bit, uh, how has that been for you as, on a personal level? Yeah, you, you hit the spot. You're right. I really need it. I really need it. In, in the meanwhile, of course, doing things for DC, for myself to organize everything here in Belgium. But what's a necessary break for me? Like you say, I've been one year and until weeks ago, non-stop working um, and, and for more than one year then I, I, I didn't visit my family in Argentina and uh, I needed this break uh, even if it was uh, a couple of days uh, it was necessary so uh, I can guarantee you that I will be there with uh, my batteries full recharge and willing to don't stop anymore until December. I think that's it from us. Hernan Losada, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks you. Thanks to you guys for this uh, little show. It was nice to, to see you, and I hope to see you soon uh, in person. Likewise, and until then, we'll be rooting for you. Okay, excellent. Take care, guys. See you soon. Bye. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for joining Bye-bye. us. All right, say you're at work. And uh, something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh, to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly uh, or, or, or something worse happens. Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right? Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights. That's right. And your rights matter. And you deserve to be free from harassment. And you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office 
handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Thank you again to Hernan Losada for, for taking the time to join us earlier today. Um, Jason, anything stick out to you from, from what he said? Yeah, you know, the, the fact that it's, it's obviously a difficult year for a coach to take over, um, coming in with the COVID uncertainty, which is unprecedented, the labor potential uh, lockout that is uh, potentially uh, unprecedented. Um, if the, if the owners decide to be that uh, foolish, then that would be very bad. Yeah, can, um, can, we, can, can I, can I uh, bust in here and take an aside? Just yeah, go for it. Owners would be such greedy assholes if they decided to lock over, lock out the players over a deal that they themselves negotiated then just decided that they wanted some uh takesy backsies on and they're gonna they're gonna sacrifice the future of this entire league uh just for for what they for, for what is they for what is for them pocket change and yeah all of it is terrible for the on their side. Everyone should support the players and everyone should tell the owners to go stuff themselves and just abide by the deal that they already have negotiated twice. They've already gotten multiple chances at this renegotiation and they need to be told to stuff it and just abide by the deal that they're already on. I agree a hundred percent. I am starting to think the more this goes on, the more I think that the owner's goal is a lockout at this point. Like that is the end game that they are anticipating and planning toward. Um, and they want that. Like if they can get the the players to agree to a ridiculous two year extension with pushing off raises and uh, budget increases. And we, we are, we've already seen players contract options not be picked up this off season because of essentially the budget freeze between last year and this year. And those need to go up because players' options are usually at higher salaries. And if there's no room under the budget, then they don't get picked up and players are literally losing money out of their pockets already from the last CBA negotiation in June. And the owners want to keep that going, basically, um, and keep taking a total of $100 million out of players' pockets over the next several years. Um, Not to mention, like, uh, potentially massive future earnings. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, as we talked about with Paul Tenorio, the leverage lost with the World Cup, um, you know, pushing back when the players can start to get in on that uh, is maybe just as important, maybe even more important um, from the owner's perspective, uh, which is not it's not great when it's it's the players who are. I mean, especially in a pandemic, these are the guys risking 
their yeah. present and future circumstances, I, I, uh, Jason, their physical lives are are being at put at risk. Hey, Jason, you mean you don't pay money to watch owners just like uh, adjust chess pieces in 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 boardrooms? You 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 pay I, money to watch actual soccer players play soccer? I have not yet in my life paid money to watch uh, sports team owners. Uh, play some version of chess or any other board game for that matter football um, manager i'd yeah, rather watch, I mean, i'd rather watch uh, somebody play i'd rather watch regular people play football manager on twitch than yeah. watch owners do owner things which i assume shout out to our friend kim mccauley yes which point. i assume uh involves yachts and private jets and venture capital and things like that Right, uh, but I, I'm sure the owners would be very happy for the players to roll over and accept their completely unreasonable offer. No matter how many times they call it simple and fair, it doesn't make it actually so. And you can say simple and fair in front of things, and it doesn't make it so. It's uh, true. Right. Um, but I think, barring that, because the players came halfway, they said, "All right, we'll give you one year, and we'll push out increases yeah. during that time." And the owners laughed in their face effectively and said, no, here's our offer. It's the same as the last offer. Right. We might change some numbers around the margins. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the owners are just, they're, they're playing for a lockout at this point in they, they say they don't want to cut the player salaries this year, but a lockout lets them do that effectively. Players will not be paid during the lockout and they, they're not, not owed back pay during that time necessarily they will be able to bargain for it because it'll be a totally new cba negotiation at that point and players can come in with whatever they want to try to get out of it um and owners can do the same and it's going to suck yeah and, and if the yeah. owners don't don't fold when it when people get their vaccines and it's safe to go to the stadium again if the owners don't just fold and say yeah let's get on the field now then we're not going to have a season yeah and i think I think I agree with uh, a growing number of people who are uh, uh, of the belief that the owners are cutting off their nose to spite their face in that if they actually go through with this lockout, it's going to devastate the viewership and the attendance of this league. I think if if, if a lockout happens, people are just going to go and watch something else or do something else and they're not necessarily going to come back to MLS because they have a unique situation right now where they can be a more watched league than they might be otherwise. Um, uh, uh, Ligue 1 in France is in a world of hurt right now with their TV deal. Uh, MLS could be in a similar situation when their next TV deal is up. I mean, I, I don't think the age of TV deals just going up and up and up like stonks is going to continue to happen. Uh, so you've got to take your, take your opportunities when you can and not cut off your nose despite your face. And it's, it's, I, I think the MLS owners could be in a situation where they save a little bit of short-term money and they, hurt the long-term situation of the league dramatically and they end up losing a lot more money that way than they save through this negotiation and and you've got other options um like it's very easy um one of mls's existing problems is getting people who 
want to watch soccer, but who are content to watch the Premier League. Get, they get up in the morning instead of going to the stadium at night. Um, it's very easy to go to your USL team. Just statistically, you are more likely to live near one of those than one of the MLS teams because there are more USL teams in the country than there are in MLS. You can go to your local NWSL team if you happen to live near one. Um, these things are all on the board. And, you know, if if you're a soccer fan and you're the number one thing on your list was going to MLS matches, and then all of a sudden this year it's like, well, now what am I going to do? Um, maybe there's something else, and maybe you get into that instead, and that's one more person that's now not watching a league that was already trying to not not only not lose anyone but gain a lot more. Um, and 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 just to to reiterate your point, the NWSL is treating their players so much better than uh, MLS is right now. Yeah, and, they they didn't make a big show out of saying we didn't ask our players to take an, uh, another pay cut, so we're asking them to give up money in the out years. They just said we're going to pay our players what we owe our players. Yeah, and, and all of this is you know to come back to. Um, to bring it back to what uh, Losada told us, um, you know, he's trying to institute a, not just a different style of play, but as we got into in the interview, um, a different mindset, um, a mindset that I, at least in my opinion, isn't very common in American soccer. Um, and that's something that takes time. That takes exposure on the training ground, games, all this stuff. Um, it's a it's a day to day process, and if the players get locked out, that process doesn't start. It gets delayed. Um, so it's a very odd and difficult year to settle in. And we, we talked about that concept last year with Edison Flores, how with COVID it was a very difficult year for him to settle in uh, to DC and to the league because we had a huge stoppage in the middle of the season. Then we had another stoppage, and we had a bubble tournament. None of it felt normal. And then once the league did kick in, the games were so rapid fire that um, you kind of didn't have that time on the training ground where you you have four or five days in a row to work on concepts. It's just, okay, everyone gets a day off that played on Wednesday and then Thursday, you know, on, on Friday, we'll come in for a light session and some, some video room prep and then Saturday is another game. Um, so this lockout situation on top of COVID, um, it – it may be a kind of scenario where um, it's difficult to really impress upon the players how to adapt to this new way of playing. Um, I hope it's not as difficult as it sounds, uh, but you know, I also hope that we don't have to worry about a lockout. Um, it would be a very difficult thing to walk into for, for a brand new head coach where you, you are barred from actually doing anything. Your players have to go, train on their own and you're stuck, you know, everything's informal and nothing's, you know, as serious as you would want. So um, it's, it's a difficult position that he's walking into and it's not because of him. It's not even necessarily um, because of the soccer side at DC United, it's ownership, which includes DC United's ownership, of course. Um, if uh, in fact, I think um, Paul Tenori and Sam Stachel on their last episode of um uh, allocation disorder did say that um Steve the Kaplan. one owner yeah the one owner that they were pretty sure is on the which which panel is it for the ownership the, i can't remember which i think the labor committee 
Yeah. Um, they, they're pretty sure the closest thing they came to being 100% on any owner for any team being on the labor committee is Steve Kaplan. They are pretty much. Yeah, not, the league not, is obfuscated to... a lot. They, they've they heard yeah. he's on it They from a couple of places or he was on it at one point. Yes. They don't know that he's on it now, but they have a, you know, there's a pretty good idea that he is. Um, and this was and and that, they, the reason I believe voted that committee yeah. voted unanimously to authorize a lockout starting right. this Thursday. Um, if the players don't meet the, the owner's requirement, I guess they are technically negotiating, but it, it's, it's hard to see a lot of good faith in the owner's bargaining position so far, which is give us two years or we're locking you up. Yeah. That's not a, a good faith position, especially when the whole point of force majeure is to survive the current crisis, not to make up your not losses in and out here because you don't need it. It's supposed to, it's supposed to be for, to survive unforeseen circumstances. And even when they put in the force majeure clause, it was during COVID. So they could have foreseen more COVID. So it's just all uh, bad faith and trying to just extort as much money as they can from the players. Right. It's, it's not good. Um Yeah. They they want to break the union. It's I, I feel like it's not even about financials for the right. owners, honestly, because they're going to throw a lot of the money back in through discretionary means like TAM and DP spots and the under 22. They're going to put the money back in. It's just going to be in a ways that the players union specifically cannot have any say in. That's what the owners care about there. It's right. just being anti-labor at this point. And you, you got to deal with the union. Like the union's there. Don't, don't break the union because it's that makes you an asshole. Um, anyway, uh, but, uh, to, going, to you, oh, you mentioned, ahead. you know, what, what else we took away from that, the interview. And I, I am optimistic that something we talked so much about last year when we were frustrated with how things were going with the team was just um, the year to year situation with DC, where it's always, what can we do to get through this season? You know, it's all short term. Um, it seems like Lozada's thought process is not short term. It's let's build something that's going to be uh, an identity for a while. It's it's not an identity for just this year or just this next couple of months. It's going to be let's build something that is this is who we are and how we play. Um, and I I am glad he's saying it. I hope that the team uh, gives him the platform to enact that, um, because that is part of the problem has been, uh, that when, when Ben Olsen was in charge for some of that time, he wasn't really getting the platform to establish anything that could be repeated year on year. It was every single year. It was like, well, how are we going to put it together this time? Um, it, it still felt a little ad hoc every single year and DC needs to get away from that. Um, and so, I think Lozada's mindset sounds to me like it's the right mindset, uh, but it does take two to tango. And you've got to, if you're the club, you have to set him up to make that happen. Um, And you're teeing me up right now for one of the things I took away was um, what he sees as needed and on the roster right now, because going into it right now, he, he said that, um, he's not married to any formations. He doesn't even have a strong preference for a three back versus a four back or, or whatever variations he looks at the roster and he figures out the best way to implement his ideas with the players he has. Um, And if that means only you only have two healthy center backs, 
so you're not going to play a three back with that. Um, and, and that's DC United's case right now. And, and what Losada said specifically was that we need one acquisition on each line. Uh, so we need, I would say another center back, uh, another central midfielder, and then another attacker, whether that's an that is, out and out center although, forward. Let's, let's be, let's be explicit. That is not what he's, what no, no, no. Said. no, this is my interpretation of what he said. Correct. He said one on each line, meaning defense, midfield and attack. Um, my interpretation of that is a center back, a central midfielder, and probably a center forward, but could be any kind of attacker potentially. Um, and I, I agree that that is, that is needed. I think the team might need more than that, but that's, that's gotta be the bare minimum right now, especially after the departure of Paul Ariola, um, which is the big news, which is why we're bearing it right at the end of the podcast. Uh, Paul Ariola's transfer, well, loan, I should say, his loan to Swansea has been finalized. Uh, deadline day deal done. No loan fee, I believe. Also, no option to buy. Uh, his salary comes off of yeah. uh, MLS's books and and goes to Swansea. So, weirdly... Uh, on DC's books. We're talking about a designated oh, yeah, player. He, he's a designated player, that's yeah. right. Well, everything above the the salary maximum, right? I know DC United was was paying, but yeah. Anyway, um, his salary goes onto a different ledger controlled by Steve Kaplan and Jason Levian, um, and he'll be playing at alongside uh, Jordan Morris over in Swansea. Um, he's definitely going to be missed here uh, in DC. I think he, he we missed him all of 2020, and um. He he looks likely if if the season starts on time, he'll probably miss about the first month before he comes over. Uh, depending on how Swansea finish, he might miss the first two months of the season before he comes back. Um, he's uh, like he's super versatile and he's well known for his work rate. But um, I think on this show, what we've appreciated is his ability to play very direct in the final third, which is something that uh, was needed when. We had Lucho and and Rooney and was was sorely missed last year without those two as well. Um, and it, it's a perfect fit for Losada's system uh, to just go at goal with speed and power. And he scored two goals for the U.S. men's national team and got an assist playing in this way uh, just this weekend against Trinidad and Tobago. So uh, I think he would absolutely rake playing as an attacker in Losada's system. But we'll have to wait to see if that will be the case because he is a jack for the time being. Yeah, and we talked to Losada about uh, Areola as well. Yeah, so if you didn't catch that, you know, rewind your podcast and <laughs> go listen to that. Yeah, you know, it's kind of it's a tough situation because he needs to play. Um, after losing an entire year of games, he's got to play, um, and he's got to play in part because his spot in the national team uh, still seems to be pretty solid. He has, I think um, since Burhalter took over, I think he still has the overall lead in total appearances under Burhalter, despite having missed right. so long under, over the ACL. Um, but the, you know, one of the stories in American soccer right now is just how many uh men's players in Europe are playing it, you know, we say in Europe, sometimes that doesn't really mean good um, to, you know, everyone got excited over Brendan Aronson. And I was like, well, he went to Austria though. It's not the same as go there's Europe and there's Europe. 
Um, and he went to Europe. Um, so some hey, of those moves, Scotland. it is, that is for sure. Um, but yeah, some, some of the moves aren't created equal, but right now we've got a lot of pretty, you know, U S men's national team players playing at big clubs in big leagues. Um, so Ariel has got competition. If he's going to keep his spot within that group, um, it, it's going to be a big challenge for him and he needs to play. Um, and it's also hard to step in uh, when you know, Swansea is in the championship, but they are in a spot where they would get automatically promoted if the season ended today, um, which is a big deal. It's also a level of pressure that um, I, I don't think the level of play in MLS in the championship is is very different at all. But the amount of pressure on a yes. championship team pursuing that promotion is something that we just don't have in MLS. Um, that is we can't so much it. money on the line. Yes, and and so much expectation from your town or city. Um, yeah, and you saw like if you went on social media and looked at the uh, announcements of the loan deal, I, I believe the term is proper chuffed. Would, would describe how, <laughs> how Swansea fans they were excited, they were beside themselves, saying, "We we're going to lock up promotion. We are going. This is a great signing for us, and we are going to do it." Like that it was. It was intense. <laughs> it was weird to see the perception not be like, well, it's an American. He can't possibly be any good. From um, DC United. Yeah, that was the other thing is is there, there's also not the like perception that somehow DC United is stealing all the gold from Swansea and bringing it back to line our pockets. Well, this um, is this is what I what I put out on in, in response to a request on social media. You know, the reason. DC United fans want Swansea promoted is so that we they have more money for us to raid. <laughs> right, that's it's it's that's, all a plan. Ariel is a double agent in that. that we're, we're, it's all a plan so that they get up so that we can just funnel all that Premier League TV money directly into uh, an MLS team um, into young DPS. Right, uh, but yeah, it, it's a difficult situation because you would. In an ideal world, Ariola seems like an uh, ideal player for Hernan Lozado's style, and you would want him here from day one. Um, but, you know, on the other hand, he's going to be playing immediately, which means he gets these games that he desperately needs. Um, and you also, the, the amount of money that could be involved, it's kind of hard for the team to turn down. And they're also, you know, we've kind of, this episode have, have had some negative things to say about the club on the organizational side. But one thing they told Paul Ariola from day one, when they brought him in from Cholos was that they are okay. They are on board with him playing well here and then moving on to a bigger money, a higher profile uh, club in Europe or wherever. Um, and standing in the way of that, that this would be them taking that back, that this would be them reneging on that promise. So um, on that part of it, I think they're, they're doing right by Paul, by allowing him to go fight for a spot there. And I assume he's going to do pretty well. Um, I, I don't have any doubts about that. Um, and then we'll, we'll see how it goes. Maybe DC and Swansea can't, I, I don't know how with the shared ownership, they wouldn't be able to come to an agreement, but they didn't before the transfer deadline. So maybe there is more disagreement than we think. Well, um, I would assume it would be the technical side of Swansea and 
Dave Casper and Stuart Mayers for for DC United hashing out the talks with with some pressure from potentially from right. Levy and Because at a certain but, point, the owners can just tell you like, "This is what you're going to do." Right. right. Uh, I I have heard that if you're a good business owner, you don't rob Peter to pay Paul. To use a particularly on the nose expression here. Um, you you don't undervalue one part of your company's right. services or goods to benefit yeah. another because that and, that messes up one, your unless one part of your business is so extremely more profitable than the other, then it doesn't matter. And no, it does because then you're you're essentially either robbing your already potentially growing but struggling for now or smaller for now uh, business to help your already thriving business. Or you're using your thriving business to subsidize a potentially failing business. It's just it's not it's not good. So hopefully, Levin and Kaplan are are going to ensure that that fair value is paid from one company they own to another company they own. And I feel real dirty least, talking in these terms right now. And at least one good part of a single entity is uh, if if it is if they were trying to transfer Paul Areola to Swansea for an extremely unfair deal. MLS could nix it like they have many times with other uh, transfers. Yeah, that's, that's true. Although I think Red Bull got a pretty good steal on um, Tyler Adams, but I don't know. They're, they're a big enough company, I guess that they don't care about what I think. Um <laughs> It is Ariola's departure does leave a pretty substantial uh, hole in the roster, um, it, it, as we experienced last year, um, and, and and just around the training ground in the locker room. Um, he is very well liked by everyone there. Um, there was a time in 2019 when the team was struggling quite a bit, where he and Fred Bryant were essentially the only two players you could get after a game to speak to the media. Um, everyone else would bounce. Um, and those two were the were the main two that were not just, you know, reluctantly getting dragged in front of the microphones, but were actually like, I'll I'll talk, I'll do it. Um, so um he's a big character guy. I mean, there there's a lot to say uh positive about him, and it's tough to replace someone like that. So if if he's gone permanently, if this becomes a permanent move to Swansea or a permanent move, maybe he sh- does well and someone else comes in. Um, if that's that, then, you know, you're missing both a personality you need and also, uh, a player that for, like we talked about with Lozada, the fact that the formation could be any number of formations, um, someone like Paul Areola who can play so many different spots at a high level, that's pretty important. Um, so, uh, when you throw in that they're going to theoretically start preseason without Bill Hamid, uh, without Stephen Birnbaum without Felipe. These are also starters, big personalities, guys that are uh, really highly valued on and off the field around the team. Uh, that's again, it's it's a very tough situation to step in um, for for Lozada because you know, I mean, on the other hand, it's also DC has maybe been more clear than almost any other team in the league about uh, kind of tipping their hand on where they think this is going. Um, labor wise, yes, because these surgeries, you have all those these surgeries loans, and, yep. yeah, these are things you you don't necessarily sign on for if you think the season starts right away. Um, 
And so, here we yeah. are there. But yeah, uh, I think it is also a, a, hopefully a, a vote of confidence in the young players because players like Griffin Yao are going to have to step up in the absence of Ariola, uh, Kevin Paredes, Moses Nyman, just all across the field. All of these players are all these young players are going to have to step up uh, in the absence of these more veteran players who are injured or gone and and have to show that they can uh, take these responsibilities and hopefully maybe even baseline that these other players have had. So, but they're definitely going to have to show their worth come the very beginning of the season. Whenever that may be. Uh, I will say one, one benefit of Areola going to Swansea is their road kit. Their secondary Jersey is, is hot fire. I love it. It's great. I might have to buy one with Areola on the back whenever he picks out a squad number because it's a good but you will have to deal with the terrible font that they're using they're Um, using a wild font um but i would argue that the 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 numbers do not even appear to be numbers they just appear to be two shapes near each other Uh, but there is the fun little fuzzball at the beginning of the the name It's I don't weird. know if that's good or bad. I guess this is the 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 flip side of a league that doesn't have a set deal with one equipment provider and everyone gets stuck with the exact same thing. The other side is that sometimes you might have a font that is illegible and strange, um, which isn't so necessarily helpful. You can have one unified like font on the back with different kit providers, which is what the Premier League does. It, they have wait, is that the font for the entire championship or is that just Swansea's font? I don't know. It okay. might be the entire championship. I, I've only seen because of the Jordan Morris transfer right. over the past week and a half, it's been nonstop. And then with Ariola, it just that it just kept going. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm extremely maybe Swansea's disappointed. The, maybe I'm Swansea's the only team in the championship. Uh and there it's, it's just ooh. twenty-four Swansea's. That would explain so, why why people went during the Morris transfer or loan were not talking about Swansea's secondary jersey, which again is great. Are we sure? Um, I'm really excited about it. Are we sure the Swansea jersey? Now that I'm looking at it, isn't a uh, like a secret way to get the uh, cherry blossom kit into a league? It it might be. It's got some pink on it, but it's got some. I don't, blue. And, it and, and black, like it's, it's like blocky enough that it might be like like uh, geometrical cherry blossoms. There you go. That's that's what we're going with. That might be why I'm we're so drawn there. to it. Um. So, you know, hey, one organization owned by by these two gentlemen went with pink in theirs, and it's awesome. It's wonderful. I might have to buy one. Um, meanwhile, the other one went with a Hanes t-shirt that we don't know what will be replaced by this year. Anyway, that's all I've got. Anything else from you guys before we, we call it a show? Hearing yeah, nothing. Think, wait, you guys don't want to talk about the new MLS game ball? hearing nothing hearing nothing i'll just say thank you all for listening um find us at blackandredunited.com patreon.com slash filibuster if you are inclined to support us financially uh find us on twitter at filibuster dcu at black and red U for the website send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com we really do read them all we're not great at responding but we really do read them all uh Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Download, subscribe, rate, review. I'm told those last two things are very important. Mostly, though, tell a friend about the show. Um, Mention the interview with Losada. 
um, if you can, and we'll, we'll be forever grateful to you. So for Jason and Ben and thanking Hernan Losado one more time, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Devil's out. Happiness in. Beans, beans, beans. Thank you.